All right, everybody, welcome to the Backseat Huddle Podcast, episode 50. Today, I have got two lists for you. So I've got two top five lists. Today's episode is going to be a little bit more lighthearted towards the end. So today, I am counting down my top five boom or bust uh, candidates for the season, teams that could do really well or potentially do poorly, big big swings, high ceilings, low floors, that type of things. I'm also going to be giving you guys this a little more lighthearted Top five most annoying things in the NFL. So I'm going to start off with top five boom or bust teams in the NFL for 2023. So I'm going to start off at five. I'm going to work my way down. And at number five, I've got a little bit of a riddle for you. And I'm, I will tell you who it is. So if I were to tell you there's a team, and please try to guess who this is. This is a good team. They were a fringe playoff team last season. Their issues are their head coach isn't proven. Their offensive line is shaky, and their quarterback is coming off of a good to average season, not great. So they start their first eight games of the season with six playoff teams from last season, including both conference champions, the greatest defensive coach ever, and the team with a defense that ranked seventh and looks to be a big-time bounce-back contender this season. What would you tell me this team's record would be through eight games? Four and four? That seems optimistic and fair. You know, go you go 500 through a brutal stretch. Now what if I told you the actual true weakness of this team is their offensive line, and they play against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys, the Eagles' defensive line, the Patriots who tie for the third most sacks and the Buffalo Bills excellent defensive line rotation. Now, maybe you say they lose one more game. Okay, let's say they're now three and five through eight games. Now explain to me why the New York Jets aren't in trouble. I know your immediate thought is they have Aaron Rodgers now and they were a quarterback away last season, which you may be right but that doesn't make their competition any less fierce. Last season, the Jets got to play against eight teams, the defense that was ranked 16th or worse. So basically half their games were against average to below average, potentially bad defenses. This season, the Jets are playing against some dogs. They play against six defenses that were ranked in the top 12 in the first eight games alone. Then in the second half of the season, they will play against the duo of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. They'll play against Miles Garrett. And then late in the season, they will also play against the commanders team that finished in third in overall defense. This schedule is rough and the jets could be in trouble this season. Now that's the pessimistic <clears throat> take. The other side of this argument is that the fringe that's at the that the Jets were a fringe playoff team last season that just added a first ballot Hall of Famer quarterback and Aaron Rodgers has only ever had a losing season 3 times in his career. The reason that the Jets could be really good are all really obvious and they've been talked about ad nauseum and everyone has been singing this team's praises for months. However, for the reasons I mentioned above, the swings for this team are potentially huge. They could miss the playoffs because they're in a division with three realistic playoff teams or they could win the Super Bowl. 
That is as big of a boom or bust team as I can potentially think of. Now, the reason I had them ranked fifth is because I don't think anyone really expects the Jets to miss the playoffs. I certainly don't. I have them finish finishing second in the division, game or two behind the Buffalo Bills, just mainly due to some growing pains while introducing Aaron Rodgers. Number four is the Chicago Bears. I have the Chicago Bears ceiling as the NFC Championship game appearance and their floor at 5-12. and 12. The Bears' season totally depends on Justin Fields. If he takes a Trevor Lawrence-esque jump this season, the Bears could end up being really good. If Justin Fields does take that kind of leap this season, it's possible that he becomes the second-best quarterback in the NFC. It's Jalen Hurts and who else? Dak? Kirk Cousins? All the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. It is wide open for him in this conference. So if he takes that jump, it's well within the possibility that Chicago is one of the two or best three, two or three best teams in the NFC because of all the effort that they've put into and poured into this offense to support him. We all know the Bears got really aggressive this offseason in getting support for Justin Fields, and it's well publicized that everything that they've done to make this season successful for him now he just has to do it the alternative is if what if Justin Fields doesn't pan out and he ends up being a bust the NFC North isn't elite but it's at least solid this Bears team doesn't have so much talent where they're going to be able to overcome a perpetual solid Viking squad a Lions team that seems to be ascending and a Green Bay Packers organization that's also ritually good so if he ends up being a bust their floor is low. If he takes the next step, their floor is extremely high. It all depends on Justin Fields for the Bears. Number three is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's ceiling is a division title, and Tampa Bay's floor is the worst team in the NFL. Here's why the Buccaneers are going to be better than you think. First, this team is going to win some games based on their defense alone. Todd Bowles is one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL. Last season, the Buccaneers finished top five in sacks and top 10 overall defense last season. His teams, Todd Bowles, are ritually in the top 10 defensively, and I don't see that trend coming to an end this season. The Buccaneers also play against seven or eight teams that have rookie quarterbacks or car quarterbacks that will be starting their first full year. Okay, I have zero doubt that Todd Bull's ability to take advantage of all of that inexperience and translate it into defensive mismatches for those young quarterbacks they're going to be playing against. Tampa's going to win some games for the base in their defense alone. Second, the Buccaneers offense is going to be better in 2023 than it was in 2022. I understand you want to look at the departure of Tom Brady and wonder how the hell the offense could get better without him. But the more impactful departure is Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, former, for the Buccaneers who got fired. His offense was arguably the least creative, least interesting, most predictable offense in the entire NFL last season. If you've watched the Buccaneers at all this preseason, there's already more creativity in those three preseason games than there was in the last three seasons of Byron Leftwich. Third 
Rashad White, the running back for the Buccaneers, is going to break out this season in a major way. By the end of 2023, Rashad White is going to be considered a top 10 back in the NFL. He was one of the few bright spots for this offense last season. This dude is big. He can catch. He can move. He's got juice, and he put on a dirty stiff arm last season. He is my breakout candidate for this team in a big way. Now, here's why I think the Buccaneers' floor is the exact same as you do for all the exact same reasons that you do. First being Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield's an enigma. I feel like he's not as bad as everyone wants to say that he is, but it's probable I'm wrong. Personally, I think he's just a little bit closer to average than he is bad, but he keeps getting shipped off everywhere he goes, so I guess I'm just wrong on Baker Mayfield. However... I'm betting on him this season because this is likely his last true opportunity as a starter. So it's this or nothing else. So I guess we'll have to wait and see what becomes of that. Second reason, Tampa Bay's offensive line could be really bad. Their Pro Bowl center Ryan Jensen is out for the season and potentially his career may be over. They're moving their right tackle to left guard. They're moving their left guard to right tackle. That's a lot of movement. And Luke Gedeke, the left guard who's being moved to right tackle, left a lot to be desired last season. And he was benched at one point last season, and now he's starting. So a lot has to go right for this offensive line to mesh. Lastly, I don't believe in Todd Bowles as a head coach. We've seen him fired once when he's with the Jets. Then last season, he helped Tom Brady to have the only losing season he's ever had in his career. But like Baker Mayfield, this is also Todd Bowles' likely last opportunity he'll get as a head coach. So we'll see if he can capitalize. Second team is the Buffalo Bills. The ceiling for the Buffalo Bills is the AFC Championship game, and the floor is third in their division. You should be worried about the Buffalo Bills. There is a lot of weirdness going on in this team right now, and their offseason's been pretty noisy. And teams that have noisy off-seasons typically don't perform super well during the regular season. It's just some weird coming out of Buffalo. Stephon Diggs seems like he's been a head case since they lost to Cincinnati in the playoffs. Leslie Frazier just randomly stepping down as offensive coordinator. Then them missing out on D-Hop. Just, it just seems like from the outsider's perspective, sorry, that there's a lot going on in that building. However, they do still have Josh Allen and they have a talented roster. So I don't feel that they can be counted out unless things really just blow up. Uh, the noise concerns me, but it's not something I can really quantify and put a true argument toward. So I'm going to say they won't be too bad, but it is possible that this team could blow up. Number one is the Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys ceiling is a Super Bowl appearance and their floor is missing the playoffs. The Dallas Cowboys have the personnel to make it to the Super Bowl. The Dallas roster has star power. They have great players all over the roster. This team kind of reminds me of the San Francisco 49ers where their quarterback isn't really elite, but there's enough talent around Dak Prescott that it elevates the team beyond the quarterback's individual potential. So this defense could arguably be the best in the NFL this season. They have an elite pass rush, elite players at all three levels, and it's really up to the offense to keep up this season, which is my main concern for the Cowboys. The issue with the Cowboys is coaching. 
Does anybody actually believe in Dallas Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy? Not really. Well, great, because now he's taking on even more responsibility this season. He is now calling plays. And we know last time Mike McCarthy called plays, Aaron Rodgers eye-rolled him out of Wisconsin. The Dallas Cowboys offense is guaranteed to get worse in 2023, and it's because former offensive coordinator Kellen Moore has moved on. They've been the second best offense in the NFL since he got hired in 2019. They scored the second most points and the second highest yards per game. So they have to fall at least some because they sure as shit aren't going to get better. And I will tell you why. Now that Kellen Moore is gone, do you expect Kellen, rather, do you expect Mike McCarthy, Mr. I want to run the damn ball and rest my defense is going to make the Cowboys offense better? It might make the defense better, sure, but this is a passing league and a league where all the rules lean offense, and Mike McCarthy is preaching the literal exact opposite. If you're a Cowboys fan, this has to concern you. It has to concern you, and it should. So those are my top five boomer bust teams this upcoming season. Now, for a little bit more fun, Here's the top five most annoying things in the NFL. Number five, the constant Patrick Mahomes glazing. Look, man, we get it. He is great. But shut the fuck up about it. The media treats this dude like he's pigskin Jesus. Patrick Mahomes could spike the ball and people would say it's a great pass. He's amazing. He's great. And he's undoubtedly the most talented player we've ever seen at the quarterback position. But the level that he has heaped praise is overwhelming and distracting, and I'm a little over it. The only reason I have him and this at number five at the bottom of my list is because he deserves it. I mean, he's amazing, he's great, and he's deserving and worthy of the recognition and admiration. But damn, this dude will throw an incompletion and people act like it's the best play anyone's ever seen. He's just treated like he can do no wrong. And he's just perfect in every way. And it's amazing. He's amazing. But damn, do we have to be so over the top about it? Number four, Cowboys fans. Cowboys fans are the Trump supporters of the NFL. They have an opinion. They're loud as hell about it. And there is no changing their mind. Cowboys fans just have to be the most delusional in the NFL. There is no way. Any other fan base in the NFL believes this heavily in a team that's just so consistently mid. The Cowboys are a perpetual wild card divisional round team, and the fans think they're winning the Super Bowl every single year. It's crazy. It is crazy. And I'm saying this as a reformed former Cowboys fan. So I know I used to do it, man. I am guilty of this. This call is coming from inside of the house. Cowboys fans are crazy. Number three, ESPN stats. An ESPN stat is something stupid like this. Jamar Chase is the first player whose name starts with a J and his last name begins with a C to record five receptions in the first five games of September where the weather is 85 degrees or warmer. You know it when you hear it. It's ridiculous and they're never really that relevant. There have been some good ESPN stats over the years, but by and large, they're just ridiculous and arbitrary. And what upsets me about it is the media 
tends to cherry pick data to kind of push a narrative about it with them. And it's just, it's just annoying. I will admit this though, is every once in a while ESPN will drop an absolute banger out of these. And I really look forward to those. The second most annoying thing, number two, that one player on your team that is always getting flagged. This one's a bit specific, but if you've ever experienced this, you know exactly what I am talking about. Every single Tampa Bay fan right now just shouted the name Donovan Smith. If you've ever had this player on your team, it is the absolute fucking worst because it always comes at the most inopportune times. You'll get a huge play for a touchdown and then you just see that little that little that little yellow indicator down there at the bottom of the scoreboard that says flag and you know exactly who it is on your team that just got called for holding or you'll get a crucial stop and you'll know exactly which one of your guys just got called for PI and there's just no doubt in your mind who it is this player is so annoying to have on your teams this this for me is just giving me PTSD flashbacks of Flozell Adams. If you watch the Cowboys football games in the mid 2000s, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. And the number one most annoying thing in the NFL right now, number one, roughing the passer. There is nothing worse in the NFL right now than the current state of the rust and the passer penalty. I understand, and I'm totally for the efforts that the NFL has taken to make the NFL safer and less overtly violent. And I do think that the NFL has gone a little soft, but I think that's for the better. But this shit, this roughing the passer has just gone too far. You can't even freaking breathe on them without getting a flag. And what's crazy to me is this, it doesn't seem like it's that difficult of a call to make it, to make. It's almost like you know it when you see it, type of penalty, but the refs just still fuck it up. It's just so lame. And the owners are a bunch of candy asses for not passing the rule to make it reviewable this offseason. Pansy ass move by them for not fixing what is inarguably the worst thing about the game right now. So that is it. That's my show. Thank you guys once again for listening. Feel free to like and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, feel free to give me a five-star rating. It is up in the top left corner of the channel's page. Thank you guys. Take care, everybody.